So um, today was day two, official first day of full day of camp. Um, as you can see, a little sunburnt. Team comps went a little hard. The past few months, I haven't been as close with God as I knew I should have been. I was so happy tonight. I got a. I was sitting next to a kid. His name was Colton, and uh, he gave his life to Christ tonight. I was just, again, I was frustrated because I thought God had this plan for me. That service really hit me hard. It was, it was all about temptation and uh, what Satan uses to, to hook you on a sin. And that was big for me tonight because I, I deal with a lot of temptation and sometimes it's really hard to, um, it's really hard to, to stay strong. It's coming back and I really don't know how to explain it, but um, I'm ready to go home and to live my life for God again. This camp was truly an amazing experience because of how many people saw love in Christ and so much love. It was, it was truly wonderful and amazing to see. Well, welcome to Fountain Springs. We are glad that you are here at all our locations online. All of you, uh, it is just an honor to be here. If you haven't figured it out yet, this is Student Takeover. We have had an amazing summer already, but we uh, this week wanted to tell you a little bit about what God is doing and what He is doing in the lives of students. But also, you know, as I started to, to develop this, this, this message today, I, I was thinking to myself, what do I want to give to the people of Fountain Springs, the people who are watching online, the key, all the locations, all that? What do I want to give you that would be life-altering? Because the, the fact of this matter is that this message is a standalone. And they literally just say, Jake, it's your, you can do whatever you so desire. You can speak on whatever you want. And so as I started to wrestle with this, a verse kept coming up in my head. And it's one of my favorite verses, actually. And I wanted to start this morning with just that. I wanted to start this morning with this verse. And I wanted to just do the ending of it. We're going we're gonna to actually hash this out quite a bit. But here's that verse. Romans 12.2. And it's just the end of, end of Romans 12.2. And what I want you to do is, is just grasp this a little bit. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, what's amazing about this is that I don't think there's one of us here, one of us watching, one of us present in this message that would have anything different than, I want to know what God wants for my life. I want to know if where I'm at, if where I'm walking right now is where God has me. Am I in his good, pleasing, and perfect will? And even if you are here and watching and you're not a Christian, you still want to know your purpose. You still want to know that if you're on the path that you're supposed to be on. You know, we wish that we'd be on this path and there'd be like this sign, this light up neon, huge, we can't miss it. Pastor Jake, go this way. You're on the right path. You're going in the right direction. Wouldn't it be awesome to know? Now, there's a reason that I'm speaking on this particular thing today. 
Because here's the fact that happens in student ministry. This is the thing, in, in the summer of 2016, this is the thing that we are dealing with the most, more than any other thing, is this idea of identity. That identity is so important in the teenagers of today. In fact, it's kind of become like a buzzword. It's become that thing that, that people talk about. Because here's what happens in FS students. We see, and you're not going to like to hear this, but we see the baggage of families in our students. Because what happens is as student pastors and those who work with students is that we get the opportunity to open the, the bags of your, of your kids, open the bags of your students, of your teenagers, and we get to look into those bags and we get to see the pain and we get to see the hurt and, and, and that they're carrying with them. And nine times out of ten, this is what happens, is that that pain and hurt has come from their parents. And that pain and hurt has come from grandparents and has come from family. And then the rest of it has come from friends and school. And, and that statistic, 9 out of 10, that's my statistic. That's what I see. I'm not getting that from anywhere, so I could be way off. But this is what we deal with, is that these kids are coming to us, and, and the pain is coming from family. So I thought to myself, you know, it all spools back in, into this idea of identity. It all spools back into how they view themselves. And I thought... What a better thing than to talk to parents, grandparents, single people, anybody and everybody about this idea of identity because here's the fact of the matter. Yes, teenagers struggle with it and, and they're the forefront of my mind, but here's the thing. We all struggle with it. Adults struggle with it. The thing about adults, and I don't think this is a healthy thing, the thing about adults, whether you're 18 and above, is that we hide it better than teenagers. We hide that we are struggling with this issue of identity. So what I want to do today is more like uh, a, a youth group thing, a, a, you know, a student uh, night on Wednesday. I, I want to just interact with you. And there's going to be some opportunities for you guys to talk, to shout, to, 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 to talk amongst yourselves and don't get scared, all that kind of stuff. And I want to do that here um, as we get together. And I'm going to need some crowd interaction. So I'm even going to call some, some pastors up that are going to help at, at all the locations and, and interact with you and all that kind of stuff. So we've talked about this word identity and how it's kind of a, a buzzword, which is interesting right now. So why is it such a buzzword? In fact, in 2015, dictionary.com made identity their word of the year. I don't know how you pick a word of the year. It doesn't even make sense to me. But, but dictionary.com did it. They picked a word of the year. And maybe it is a word of the year because of a girl named Rachel Dolath. Maybe you haven't heard of her, but she was born to two Caucasian parents, two white parents. But she identified herself in early 2015 as an African-American. And the nation went up in, in, in almost an uproar. I, I heard a lot about this in Illinois when I was living there. And they talked about this all the time, and the nation was even confused. They're like, what, what does that even mean? Because it all goes back to this word identity and what is identity. Here in 2016, we've been dealing with, with this more than in 2015, but how about this? If someone of a different gender than they were when they were born wants to go into a different bathroom, 
What do we do with that? That's an issue of identity. That's an important issue in the world we live in right now. What about a government clerk who identifies themselves as a Christian, as a Jesus follower, who refuses to issue a same-sex marriage license to a couple because she believes as a Christian that it's wrong? That's an issue of identity. So it's a question of how important this word identity is to all of us. It's the forefront of our culture. So why not us take a stand and and look at what identity is? So identity is different than identification. Because what identification is, is is that's what you need to go into a pharmacy and buy Allegra D. Right? You need to have your identification. You need to have your driver's license issued in the state that you live in. So identification is how others see you, but identity is how you think about you. Does that make sense? Uh, So identification is how others see you, but identity is how you think about you. Identity is what informs you. The conversation that you will have in your head all day long. Am Am I the only one who has that? That's identity. That's what forms your identity. What makes up our identity? What forms your identity? What makes up your identity is is maybe the family that you were born in. That you were born, for me, it was in Rapid City, South Dakota in 1977, and I was raised in a Christian home. My dad actually accepted Christ when I was eight, and, and that continued to form who I was. That my dad loved the outdoors and, and that formed my, that my dad and mom both loved to travel. That, that formed who I was and my identity. Your, your identity is different now than when you were 12. Unless you're 12 because then it's what you are when you're 12 because you're still 12. I'm confusing myself. But your identity, the point of that is your identity is always changing. A lot of us think this. A lot of us think and this, I got a slide for this because this is amazing. A lot of us think that identity is shaped by events. Think about that. That because of the events in our lives, it shapes what we think of ourselves. So here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. At, at, at every location, even those of you online, I think you can do this. I want you to just mix in with the, the people around you, you know, your family, your friends, all that kind of stuff. Now, I, I totally get it. I told, this is not normal. This is awkward. So I, I'm going to give you a couple tips. If you're an extrovert, you're just like, this is the best church service we ever had. This is so cool. I'm one of those introverted extroverts, or switch that, extroverted introverts. Um, and I don't know what that means, but that's me. Um, but maybe if you're an introvert and you just got totally freaked out and you're never coming back to church again, I want to give you a tip, okay? Before, before we even start this, 15 seconds, it's only 15 seconds, that here's how you get out of this. You just take your hands and you go like this and you, and you cross them and you close your eyes and you put your head down. And everybody will just, they'll look at you because that's one of the most spiritual people I've ever seen in my life, just praying right in the middle of the church and so we're not going to bother him. So it's just a little trick. Don't tell anybody else, just a little trick, okay? So if you're one of those introverts, just Bow your head and people will think you're spiritual and won't want to bow. So 15 seconds, that's all you're getting. 15 seconds to discuss maybe some events. There will be a test afterwards. Some of these events that have shaped your identity. Go.
Okay, that's all you get. That's all you get. No more. All right, come back, come back. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask some of our our location pastors to come up, and they're actually going to do a little bit of interaction with you and get some of your responses. We're going to write these down. So location pastors, you make your way up. We're going to write these down, and we're just going to, we're going to, try to get a little collage of what people think about these events in relation to their identity. All right, so you got about two minutes, go. Okay, everybody back? All right, well, welcome back, locations. And, and so we've come up with some, some events that have shaped what we think is our identity. Now, what I want to do is I want to I push back a little bit on this. All of us think and, and think that these events determine our identity. But if you really look at it, are these events negative or positive? For the most part, it's, and you may not be able to see this yet because maybe you're in the middle of an event, but for the most part, all these events are, are neutral. They're neither positive or negative. In fact, one of the most uh, philosophical uh, movies I've ever seen in my life is just an amazing uh, movie. It's called Kung Fu Panda. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. But Master Ugwe, he's sitting there. I don't know what he's doing. He's meditating or doing his thing. And and one of his little Padawan guys comes up and he says, Master Ugwe, Master Ugwe. And he's, you know, like you can tell, visibly disturbed. And and he said, "Um, I have bad news. And Master Ugwe being the smart... um, leader that he is, he turns around and he says, there is just news. There is no good or bad. You like my Master Ugwe uh, accent? It's pretty good. Yeah, I've been studying that for a while. So this is what happens. It all goes back to the way that you respond. It all goes back to the only thing that you can control in events is the way that you react. So I believe that events are neutral, and that there's something in between the idea of events, the idea of events to identity. There's something in between these that are, this line isn't even there, that there's something in between them that causes us to form our identity. That is beliefs. What you believe about what happened is ultimately going to determine how you view yourself. The events don't directly shape your identity. Beliefs do. But how you process it, how you determine what to think about yourself during or directly after the event shapes your identity. As parents, man, especially as parents of teenagers, we are called to walk alongside our students. And to walk alongside our kids and give them beliefs and help them navigate these beliefs so that they own it for themselves so that they are not forming their identity around events, that they are forming their identity around beliefs. In life, we create whatever happens in life with the decisions we make. You understand that because every decision, whether good or bad, you know, most of the time the decisions are even neutral, that that they have a consequence, good or bad. And the decisions we make because of who we see ourselves to be forms our identity. You can't experience freedom in life. You can't experience purpose in life without having this positive view of yourself, which is identity. You can't be who you were meant to be if you don't know who you are. 
You can't be who God created you to be, to take steps in the direction, on the path that you are designed, you are called to be on without knowing who you are. So once you become a Christian, everything changes. And we hear this all the time. In fact, we even use a verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Let me read it for you. It's not on the screen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And what we think is it's like a snap of a finger. It's like, boink, and everything changes. But here's the fact of the matter, is that we still have all the same habits. We still have all the same problems. We still have all the same identity issues after that. It still comes. It doesn't happen overnight. It, it does, but it doesn't. I call it, and, and being a student pastor, I call it the camp syndrome. Right? You get this idea this, this, that, that everything at camp, and, and here's the thing, we talk about this with our students coming to the end of camp, that everything at camp is amazing. You're walking down in the campus, and, and everybody's like, Jesus, woo, kumbaya, baby. I don't know what that means, but that's awesome. And they're high-fiving, and they're hugging, and they're crying, and they're laughing, and frisbees are everywhere because it's this camp syndrome. But what happens, and we talk about it with them. We processed even right before we got on the buses. We said, what's going to happen when you get home? is you're going to come off what's called the spiritual high. And that's what is accepting Christ. This is a spiritual high. It's an amazing process. And you're going to come off this spiritual high. And you're going to come down because the habits are going to come back. The friends are going to come back around that maybe lead you in the wrong direction. And all of that kind of stuff. And that's when you have to make the hard decisions. That's when you have to say, I'm going to be aware of what I have in Jesus. It's a process that takes time. Even though you do become new overnight, you're a new creation, but it still takes time to get rid of those, to form and to change that identity. What I want to do is I want to give you an example of this. I want to give you an example of some students that started to get a glimpse. Even one of these girls, she started to look outside her own sphere and she wasn't looking for a boyfriend. That's not what it was about. She was looking for kids that were by themselves and wanted to pull them in. And how their identity even changed at camp. It was one of the things that helped because their belief system was starting to change. Watch this video of our students from NTS. I wasn't for sure what to expect, but I felt God saying, you're going to be that friend, you're going to help people, and I'm going to use your story, and I had no idea what that meant until I came here. Right before I left, I didn't really want to go because it is a long way from home, but I thought, well, God might say something to me there. I wanted to come here to further my work relationship with God. I didn't really have a set expectation. I was kind of mixed emotions all over the place. I was scared to be a leader. I was kind of nervous because I had never like really led a group before. I'm quite an introvert and so I don't really like being in big crowds so I thought NTS was going to be really hard on me and I wouldn't um, enjoy it as much as I did. My struggles were like 
and feeling so worthless and not feeling loved at all before I even gave my life to Christ. I hated God and I did not want to be near anything. I hated coming to youth group. It got me out of my comfort zone many times, but I loved it. Even if you are raised up in a Christian home and you lose your faith in him, you can always come back. There was this guy and he was really, he's really shy. So I went over there and I started talking to him and I've been talking to him for the past couple days now and he's really warming up to me. God put on my heart that this is why I came to camp. And that he was the reason that I came to camp. And it just made me so happy. I look forward to help spread the word of God in my school. He still wants me, even though I have my temptations, I have my flaws, I've done the worst possible things. He still wants me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The third day of camp is really when all of my girls kind of shifted. So the girls that were really quiet and more reserved and didn't really get as involved in, into the group as, as the other ones did were the ones that stood up when they asked people to stand when if they gave their lives to Christ for the first time. And when I came here, there was some things going on in my life group and I opened up and about my past and I finally told them. And there was this girl who was going through a really hard time and I told her not to give up because I felt so lonely like that too. And it finally hit me that God was gonna use me and use my story through the darkest of the times to help other people. It just makes me feel so good about myself and that God is actually speaking through me and using me to get to other people. I love students. I love their heart, that they want to grow and get better. What I want to do is unpack Romans 12:2 for you, and we're going to put a lot of stuff up on the screen as we go through this fairly quickly, but the first one is do not conform to, this, to the pattern of this world, and, and I think we all understand what uh, the pattern is. A natural pattern is that event happens and people form beliefs about themselves because of that event. Now, what I want to say, I want to say something about that pattern because what happens is, is it's not necessarily true because this happened, this must be true about me. You know, a couple weeks ago, we were, we were on Instagram, my wife and I, and, and we're Instagram people, we're not necessarily big Facebook people, but we, we had a bunch of friends that, that were out together and we noticed the next morning that we weren't even invited. And it was one of those things where we went, would, and so you started to believe stuff. You started, because we weren't invited, happened, we thought less of ourselves. This must be true about ourselves. We must thought they didn't want us there. Maybe, you know, they wanted 
to really party, and if you invite the pastor, you don't get to party. I don't know. But because of this happened, because this happened, this must be true about me. But that's not necessarily true, because if you go back to Scripture, Romans 12, 2 says this, and it continues on. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that is so important, this idea of mind. You have to be renewed. The mind is really important. In fact, the battle for our identity doesn't start outside of us. It doesn't start elsewhere. It starts in our mind. This is an idea that you will see everywhere today. In fact, if you look at pop psychology today, you'll find that it is true. Henry Ford said this, and I want to get this quote right. He said, if you think you can do a thing or you think you can't do a thing, you're right. Deep, deep thoughts right? Whatever happens in the mind will eventually come out in life. If you think you are worthless up here, it'll eventually come out in your actions. A life will achieve what the mind believes. A little rhyming there for you. So this is an extremely hopeful word, the mind. Whatever identity has been formed in you, you have the ability to transform. You are interested in reforming what you don't like about yourself, you're interested in transforming what you don't like about yourself, you can do that. That's good news. That can happen in your life. I believe you can be transformed. Some of you, you don't like the family that you were raised in. That doesn't have to define who you are in the family that you lead now. It has nothing to do with it. Some of you are, and this is a great thing because some of you are so focused on the events that happened in your past and it's determining the future that you go to. But in the scripture it says, do not be conformed to the patterns of the world, but be transformed. You can transform the direction that you're going because of the renewing of your mind. Some of you have had failed relationships, some good, some bad. You don't have to be who has dated you, or, or even what people have said about you. You have an opportunity to be transformed, and that happens through the renewing of your mind. So this is what renewing is. Renewing is about replacing. Replacing it with something different. It's, it's literally, you go in and you grab it, and you pull it out, and you put something else in there. It, it might even change the perspective. So replacing is vital to renewing, and here's why. Have you, ever, have you ever tried to stop thinking? Now, maybe for some of you guys, it, it's pretty easy. But for 99% of the population, to stop thinking is impossible. Trying to stop thinking is like trying to fall asleep. Have you ever just tried to, you're laying in bed and you go, okay, this is it. I'm going, you can't do it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I have, I only got six hours. I have to get a good night's sleep. Tomorrow is a big day. And you just try and you try, you can't do it. Falling asleep just happens just like thinking just happens. The other thing that is true is that it's hard to think about two things at once. Well, and that's coming from a guy's perspective, right? As guys, we think about one thing at a time. Girls, their brains are different than ours and I don't understand them and they're just they're all connected and everything is you know it's all together but have you ever tried to think about two things at once men you can extract a thought and replace it with another thought that is what renewing your mind looks like it also looks like this question 
what is true about you? And that's what you have to determine. What is true about who you are? Not what happened in the event, not actually even the event, but what does that singular standalone event say about you? This is really important for some of you. Some of you who have been defined, your life and identity is based on events from your past. That's not what we should be defining our stuff by. What is true about you should inform your identity, not the event that happened, but what is true about you should inform your identity. What are my strengths? What are my gifts? What am I good at? What am I not so good at? Renewing is about one more thing. Renewing is about ranking. And you may go, what does that even mean? There's a lot of things that are true about you. There's a ton of things that are true about me. There's this list of things that are true about me. Some good, some not so good. But there are certain things about you that are more true than anything else. There are a few things that should be elevated, that are most true about you. Why? Because we get into those seasons of life. We get into those, those avenues of life that are maybe difficult, that are maybe hard, that are, that, are, that are maybe even hard to walk through. And then we tend to go to the most true things. So what is most true about you. And I want to propose this. I want to even go a step further. I don't even want to say what is most true about you. I want to say what God says about you is what is most true about you. That if you look at that Romans 12, that's what it's saying. What God says about you is what is most true about you. You want to know what is most true about you? It's what your creator says. Not what anybody else in this world says. It's what your creator says. This is about significance. What is true about me is what God says about me. Now I get the opportunity to speak to a lot of teenagers. And one of the things that I get to offer to the girls when I speak, that come into our ministry or, or when I'm speaking elsewhere. And it's something that I hope that my daughters never, ever, ever forget. That when a 15-year-old boy comes into their lives and he does his, how you doing? And he goes through that and, and then he says how beautiful they are. I don't want them to let that be more elevated or more most true than anything else. I want my daughters to know they're beautiful. I want the girls in my ministry, which I consider my daughters, to know that they are beautiful inside and out. And I want them to know and feel that because that is what God says about them, but not because some boy said it. It's because some... God said it because here's the fact about boys. Boys will come and go. In the case of my daughters, they're just going to go. But I want them to believe with all their heart that that's what God says about them, not a 15-year-old boy. And this will help you in every area of life as a leader, which you all are, in your career as a parent, as a grandparent, as a teenager. 
When we begin to let that truth transform our identity, we find true significance. The event doesn't define our identity. You get to choose what you believe about that event. You can do what God has you do when you see yourself how he sees you. It's like a rap song right there. I'm not a rapper. But you can do what God has you do when you see yourself how he sees you. Now, you know, there's this past couple months I've been watching a couple kids that are actually staff kids here at Fountain Springs. And I got to see them from really birth, especially with one of them, to where this little boy is now. It's Pastor Todd and Tina's son, Corbin. And what was cool about watching Corbin, and I've just fallen in love with this little boy, just a great little boy, great parent, is that he's learning to walk. And you know what happens when any child learns to walk. They start to, you know, grab your leg and they'll hold on and they'll pull themselves up or they'll use the couch and, and then they do the whole, you know, Spider-Man thing as they walk along the couch and, and they start that process. But if, if those little kids, if, if they believe their events in life, if they believe what the events say about them, if they shape their identity about what their events say about them, they will never walk. Because the events say it can't happen, it never will happen, because they've never, ever succeeded. But if they listen to their father, and they believe what their father, you can do it. One, one step, I'll catch you, I'll be here. And you do what the Father says. The events don't define them because they believe something different. Their identity is shaped differently. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to go through a thing just taken right out of Scripture. And I want you to understand what Scripture says about you and me. I believe this is what is most true about you and me. And maybe you need to respond in some way. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe you need to say amen. Maybe you need to stand up. Maybe you need to get on your knees in kind of a sacrificial position and say that is what is most true. And if you go through these and they don't resonate with you, you really need to evaluate that. Let me read these, which is most true about us. I belong to God. I am chosen by God. I'm a new creation in Him. I am forgiven by Him. I'm included by Him. I am secure in Him. I am complete in Jesus. I am not alone. I am dearly loved as I am, not as I should be. That one's big. I am set free. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I may approach God with boldness, freedom, and confidence. And I am a child of God. 
I have been redeemed and the sin against me has been canceled. I have been made complete in Jesus. Think about these things. Which one hit you? Which five hit you? What I'd love you to do is just kind of bow your heads and close your eyes and just think on those. Think on your identity. Think about what you believe about yourself. 